welcome back. I'm Brian Metzger and this is Inscription. Whether you feel far from God and you want to change that, or you already have a relationship with God and you just want to go deeper, this is the place for you. Today is the first Sunday in Advent. And before we get started, I want to share a little bit about the Hebraic calendar for this month. Just a reminder, if you're interested in staying connected to the channel, one way to do that is to hit the subscribe button. So the Hebraic calendar. In the Hebraic calendar, we're in the month of Kislev. And this month is the month that's known for the shortest days and the longest nights. And we've been opening up already as this month has been unfolding in the last week. We've been opening up the mystery of sleep, the sense of sleeping, the mystery of dreaming, and the real meaning of dreaming. Also, this is a month of miracles. It's the month of Maccabees. We talk, We were talking about how you know Israel is just amazing. They're, they're, the, the way that they teach, the, the pedagogy of Israel, they're, they're masters of pedagogy, that every month they pull all this together. So, so the month of sleeping, of dreaming, of miracles, the month where we remember the Maccabees and, and, their, and the dedication of the Maccabees. And then, and then also the tribe that goes with this month, the tribe of Benjamin. We talked about how the tribe of Benjamin are archers. They're, they're, the, they're the masters of the bow. Well, today I want to talk about a new dimension of the, the month of Kislev. And that's the, the Hebrew letter that presides over the month. And that's the letter of Samach. And I love the letter Samach. The letter Samach, it looks like a circle. Yeah, the letter Samach is a circle. And it's the 15th letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And its numerical value is the number of 60. And wait do you hear what they do with that number 60. It's, it's really fascinating. But one of the things that they'll say about the 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 samak or the circle is it looks like a scroll or a Torah scroll. And they'll say, because it's a circle, it contains the, the every meaning of a circle is contained in the letter samak. So the, the infinite and ever greater light of God surrounds us. And this is one of the aspects of the samak. It points to the, sometimes we'll speak about it, like the, dif- the difference between the transcendent presence of God and the imminent presence of God. And in the Samach, you have the mystery of God, or the transcendent presence, which is the mystery that God surrounds us, that God is outside of our world, but, he, but he's, he's above our world, but he's all around our world. So God is all around us. So in, this, in, the, in the circle of the Samach, we can get that sense of God's transcendent presence all around us. But whenever we focus on God's transcendent presence, we want to come back and we want to remember his imminent presence. So transcendence and imminence. Transcendence is outside or God's presence that transcends us, that's greater than us, that's beyond us. But also his imminent presence, that, that his presence on the inside. Now, with the mystery of Samach and the circle, you have the mystery of the marriage ring. So this is the month of the of where we remember the, the, the hoopah. And a Jewish couple, when they would get married, they come underneath the hoopah, which represents the canopy of God and God surrounding them. Then the before they exchange rings, the wife would dance around the husband seven times. She would she would circle her husband seven times. 
And this was to say that the, it's the wisdom of is the wisdom of woman that builds the home. It's the wisdom of woman that builds the house. And so, for every day of creation, for for every Sunday she will build, for every Monday she will build, for every Tuesday she will build, for every Wednesday. So, for every day of the week, the the woman will dance around and say, "I will support the house." And and so so the the woman then becomes the ma- the majority of the house the the significance the significance of the home is embodied in the woman. Now as she circles her husband to say that he will support her with that circle, then that's when then the husband takes the ring and puts it on his wife's finger to say, "And I will support you." So from the outside and from the inside, the the husband and the wife will create a home together. This is an image with this with the Samak of the relationship between Israel and and God that they would live in a marriage with him and then for us by extension as followers of Jesus that the access to, what does it mean to be God's people to literally be a part of 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 a marriage between heaven and earth that heaven and earth would become one and in the so on the on the feast of Torah what they would do is they would dance with the Torah as Israel they dance around the the bima which represents the presence of God and they would t- to say that we will Lord God we will be your bride and we will build a home for you to to dwell in uh, every every day of the week this will be our new life so samak has this beautiful mystery of marriage that's contained just in the letter samak and reminding us of God's presence that surrounds all around us and that also reminds us that he's not just surrounding us transcending us on the outside but his imminent presence is dwelling within us so we have God's support from the outside and we have God's support from the inside we get caught up into this whirlwind of the marriage between heaven and earth so in addition with the with the Hebraic calendar and the 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 month of Kislev and the letter Samak there's another shape for Samak which is the which is the lattice and so it just stands up and you see the bars and the lattice but you get that same meaning of support because the lattice supports the vine and with that you have the combination of multiple extremely powerful images of the ladder which represents the Jacob's ladder that unites the heaven and earth another hebrew concept for this is called the shekinah glory or the shekinah glory this is the feminine attribute of god which is that which is that ladder uh, that that joins the two the heaven and the earth but as well as a lattice supports the vine that grows up the lattice it now becomes an image of the tree of life and so you know that this is one of our very favorite images and and the power of the tree of life that in in one way we could see all of our pursuit of god as this pursuit of the tree of life the tree of life being the center of the garden of eden the center of the highest of heavens the center why because the tree of life represents perfect oneness of god and then we spoke about how the garden of eden isn't just a circle like a samak it's not just a circle it's a circle where the center's raised so the more if you want to journey to the center of the garden you have to ascend the mountain toward the tree of life so these are some things that we can take with us oh i told you i would tell you about the numeric value of 68 and so 
What the sages of Israel would say, with the numeric value of Samak being 60, they would say that sleep is one sixtieth of death, and that and that dreaming is one sixtieth of prophecy, and that honoring the Lord's day is one sixtieth of experiencing of, of experiencing heaven. And so here's where you get one of the most beautiful meanings of the Samak and the circle, is that the end is present in the beginning. And the end is simply the 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 end is simply the beginning come to its fullness, and so this gives us that powerful sense. You might remember that all reality comes to us with with the structure of two levels. You have the level of becoming, which is the level of change, and then you have the level of being, which is the level that always always is. And so we want to live our play, we want to live our lives with roots that go down deep into that level of being. And the Samak is a beautiful letter that contains this mystery about how in the beginning the, the end is already present in the beginning, and the end is simply the beginning come to its fullness. And so, yes, there will be all kinds of breakthroughs and you know steps forward, all kinds of advancement, and there'll also be falls and there'll be setbacks and there'll there'll be there'll be losses. And there'll be grief, but all of this works together in in the becoming. But the but the fullness of it is always present to us. God is always surrounding us. God is always dwelling within us. God is always supporting us. So with that, let us head on to our readings for the week. Our first reading for this Sunday is from the prophet Isaiah, and it's chapter sixty three. And if you pay close attention here, it's actually just a few verses of 63 that set up chapter 64. So 63 and 64, and there are a few verses that are omitted from it. So it's really valuable to go back and read it in its original context, but we'll have a reading of it here as it's given to us in the lectionary, and we'll hear what God's, is some of the things that God's saying to us through it. You, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, you are named forever. So the first thing I want to point out here is this, the, the reading for today both begins and ends with the declaration of God being our Father. He's the one who wants to support us. He's the one who's going to be there for us. And we remind ourselves that this is true, especially in those moments when we most need reminded of it. But then this next line, our Redeemer, you are named forever. The sentence is kind of backwards. And so the name our Redeemer is his name. Because it, it, it could sound like you are named forever, like saying that forever is his name. No, you are named forever our Redeemer. So you are the one who saves us. You are the one who supports us. So that's a great way to approach the, the text for today is just to remember it's going to open up with a declaration that God is our Father. And it's going to close the declaration that God is our Father and that we remember that he is our Redeemer forever, forever. Okay, so now as we go through here, the next line. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Now, if you look at this in the original context, remember I told you some of the verses are talking out, uh, some of the verses are omitted for this reading. The, the context is they're in exile and they're looking back to, this is the time, this is the exile, the Babylonian exile. So this is where the temple of Solomon has been torn down and they're outside and they're exiled from Israel and they're, they're looking back at a loss. And so this next line is going to make more sense when you see that it says, 
Oh Lord, would that you would rend the heavens and come down and make the mountains tremble before you. Now, what, so here, because of omitted verses, it's, it's not clear what Israel's praying while they're in exile or what Isaiah is praying while in exile is he, he's praying that the right now the enemies think, those that have conquered Israel, they think that Israel is not a significant people and that their God is not a real God. But Israel knows from their experiences through history that their God is the God of heaven and earth. So, and the God of miracles, the God that, that the God that overpowered Pharaoh and that oh, part of the Red Sea and that brought them to the Holy Land and then built them up to the heights of King David and then his son Solomon with the temple. And so God is a God of manifestation. God is a God of power. But right now, these, uh, the, the Babylonians, those that have them in captivity, they think that their God is not a God at all. So they're saying, show them like you showed us. Let the mountains shake. And even there's another word, it gets a sense like where the mountains will melt at your presence because of the mightiness and the majesty of your presence, that the mountains would melt, that the ground would shake, that they would know that you are the only true God. So this is the sense of it. So rend the heavens and come down. <laughs> also beautiful in the Gospel of Mark, which we're going to conclude with today, this word rend is a very significant word, word that both opens up the mystery of the Gospel of Mark and closes the mystery of the Gospel of Mark. And there's two great rendings in the Gospel of Mark. And the first rending is when Jesus is baptized, the heavens are rend open. And so it's the fulfillment of the prayer that Isaiah is praying in this prophetic prayer of Isaiah 63 and 64 rend the heavens and come down and so and then you even see the dove come down and descend you hear the voice of the father you see the dove come and descend so that word rend is a sacred word in the gospel of mark the second place and this is kind of the the parentheses of the gospel of mark it opens with the rending of the heavens in jesus's baptism but then it closes with jesus's crucifixion when he dies upon the cross it talks about the temple veil is rend from top to bottom and the, the mystical meaning of the temple veil, they actually had the cosmos inscribed upon it. It means it signifies the rending of the heavens. And so it's the rending of the material world that reveals the spiritual world. And at, you know, prior to the crucifixion of Christ, if you wanted to encounter Christ, you had to go through the, the temple system and all the temple liturgy and all the temple significance. And still there was this, there was this veil that separated. But with the, with, the, with the body of Jesus being rent on the cross and the rending of that temple, now we have direct access to the God that doesn't just surround us like the letter Samak, the whirlwind, the transcendent presence of God that surrounds us, but also that, that deep, that living essence, that imminence of God's presence on the inside we have access. So this word rent, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down and with the mountains quaking before you, while you wrought awesome deeds we could not hope for, such as they had not heard from of old. No ear has ever heard, no eye has ever seen any God but you doing such deeds for those who wait for him. Would that we might, would that you might meet us doing right, that we are mindful of you in our ways. Now, let me just set this in context again. This is second, this is the second part of Isaiah or second Isaiah. So the prophet that's writing this 
is praying for the people of Israel, and he's he's believing that all is not lost. And he's saying that, that you are the God who showed up before and you're going to show up now. Notice the way that he self-identifies with the people. And he and even though the people have become hard-hearted and far from God, and we're going to hear more about that in just a second, um, the, but, but that he's believing in a moment where, we, where he might, where that God, God at a distance would become the God of nearness. That the God of distance would become the God of nearness. And that, that we might meet him doing right. God, when, you, when the God of distance becomes the God of nearness, that we, might be, that we might be living in a way that's pleasing to you. And then also here, that we might be mindful of your ways. So while the storms are raging and God feels like he's at a distance, let us remember that distance, remember this is one of our principles of inscription overarching, is that the greatest suffering is the feeling of distance from God. But the good news is that is that distance, all distance is an illusion. God is always near. God is always around and God is always within. But we want to get connected with him. How, and how do we do that? Um, by, by having a mindset of his ways, focusing on him, focusing on his ways, and rousing ourselves to him. So we're going to hear that in just a second as well. So... So would that you might meet us doing right, living, living righteous lives, living godly lives. Would that you might meet us doing right that we, and that we were mindful of you in our ways. So while we're doing our everyday tasks, behold, God, you are angry. And here's where the prophet identifies with sinful Israel. Behold, God, you are, you are angry. You are sinful. All of us have become like unclean people. All of our good deeds are like polluted rags. Literally, there, those are, those are the, the rags that would be used by women during their menstruation. So this is really, he, he's really rending his heart and rending his garments as he cries out, identifying with sinful Israel and hard-hearted Israel. He says, we've withered like leaves. So remember, whenever we get an image of a leaf, we go back to the tree of life. So we, we're supposed to be this flourishing tree of life where the leaves come fresh every month to heal all the nations. But instead, we're like this withering tree. We have all withered like leaves. And our guilt carries us away like the wind. Wind dries away the, the dust, you know, the, the, the sand. The, there is none who calls upon your name who rouses himself to cling to you. And this is that central line that, you know, we talked about it's going to open this verse, this reading for today is going to open with the declaration that he's our father and our redeemer forever. And it's going to close with the declaration that he's our father. And that if we remember that, then we can rouse ourselves, that we can wake up. And, but he, but he says, but we failed to do this. He says, there is none who calls upon your name who rouses himself to cling to you. And even this calling upon his name, remember this, the twice in this reading, you see the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and that's a reference to yod heh vav heh, the breath. That, that, that breath is our leader, breath is our companion, the same way that God is our leader, God is our companion in all that we go through. And by the calling on of his name, 
And literally by remembering, by taking time to breathe and to remember God with intentional breathing, we can connect and engage with God and we can rouse ourselves to cling to him. And this Mother Teresa had a beautiful insight about the Garden of Eden where Adam is told to leave, man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his woman and the two will become one. This this clinging or this cleaving uh, Mother Teresa would say, we, we must learn to cleave to him. And this is a season now with these, with these short days and with these long nights and with, this, and with the, all the earth shaking that's going on, all the uncertainty. We must learn to breathe intentionally and to remember our God. We must learn to rouse ourselves and cling to him. Isn't this a, a beautiful um, encouragement that's in the midst of this? There is none who calls upon your name who rouses himself to cling to you. So let us become those who who call upon your name and rouse ourselves, who breathe intentionally, who act intentionally, who move intentionally to cling to him, rouse ourselves to cling to him. And um, when we get to the psalm, we see something beautiful about that rousing, but I'll save it for there. Uh, There is none who calls upon your name and rouses himself to cling to you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us up to our guilt. Yet, O Lord, we remember you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. God, you've got this. You shape us from the outside. You support us. And then you breathe into us the clay. You you make all things new. So now let us move on to our second reading, which is Psalm 80. Lord, you make us Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. And so this is the key. The pursuit of his face, as as we talked about, we want to go to the center of the Garden of Eden, which means to go to the top of the Mount of the Lord, where the tree of life is. But in the book of Revelation, we see that where the tree of life is, is where the throne of God and the Lamb is. And so what we long for more than anything else is to be face to face with our God. And even all the beauties and the mysteries of the land of the Garden of Eden must not distract us as we ascend the mountain of the Lord to come to this locked in gaze with the one who's seated on the throne to be eyeball to eyeball with him to be forehead to forehead with him that we would share the same breath that we would remember that the breath that we breathe every day is a reminder of that mystery of that first breath that the Lord breathed into the mouth of Adam where the transcendent God became that imminent God on the inside ha 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 yay God thank you Jesus so, Lord, make us turn to you and see your face, and we shall be saved. This, this is what salvation is, is to see the face of the Lord. It says of Abraham that he was to be perfect and walk with the Lord before him always. It says the same thing about David, that he is to, that David walked with the Lord before him always. And it says of Moses that he spoke to God face to face as a friend speaks to another. And I would say, brothers and sisters, this is the call for us as followers of Jesus to walk with Jesus before us always, to keep his face before us always, to make that highest pleasure of Eden the highest pleasure and the one thing in our lives. O shepherd of Israel, hearken from your throne upon the cherubim, shine forth. Rouse your power 
and come to save us. And so this is what happens when we rouse ourselves to come into God's presence. We realize that God has already roused himself to come for us. That it's We think that it's us waiting for God to rend the heavens and come down, but it's actually God who's already roused himself to show his power for us, who's waiting for us to, to, uh, to, to find the God that's roused himself for us. And so this is, this is exhilarating. And we even talked about those three stages of, you know, that, yeah, that pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. What is suffering? Suffering is dwelling on your pain. It's dwelling on the things that you go, that are going wrong rather than abiding in the Lord. And so, so in order to shift, so, so the key for suffering to, to, to be set free from suffering is acceptance. When you accept the situation for what it is, you can experience a freedom. Now, it's impossible to accept without the grace of God. So if you're, if you're at that place like, I can't do it, but you can, God. And so grant me the grace of acceptance. Grant me the grace of serenity. Grant me the grace of acceptance. But that's only level one of surrender. The next level is to enjoy my circumstances, not because of the things that are, the things that are wrong are wrong. So I don't enjoy them because of the things that are wrong. I enjoy them because the imminence of God is, 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 is bubbling up and bubbling out of every moment. And the power of God is surrounding and supporting in every moment. So even in the midst of the storm, I'm not just going to accept. I'm going to level two. I'm going to enjoy. But then there's something even greater than the level of enjoyment. And that's the third level. That's a level of enthusiasm. And enthusiasm is what connects where you can perceive your destiny because you know the word of God and you know the promises of God. So you know where the story is going. So you know the summit. You know that was that the end was present in the beginning and the end that yeah that the end was present in the beginning and the end is simply the beginning come to its fullness so you have that eyes of the prophet the, those far seeing eyes and so now you can ha- actually have enthusiasm so you go from just simply acceptance which is great because it sets you free from the suffering um that remember all pain yeah pain is pain is inevitable suffering is optional so you can get set free from from suffering by the ability by the grace of serenity that gives you to accept the situation but then there's more learn to not just accept life as it is but enjoy and this is where even you know as we just celebrated thanksgiving where gratitude is so powerful that even in the midst of the tumor, there's so many things to be grateful. Every breath that I take, every beat of my heart, every day above ground. And this is now I'm learning to enjoy even in difficult circumstances. And then when joy goes to the to be able to see the, the destiny of where we're going, that's when it becomes enthusiasm. So, O shepherd of Israel, hearken from your throne upon the cherubim. This is a reference to the Ark of the Covenant where Moses was shown a heavenly pattern that he created on the earth, that he built the ark with the cherubim on it, and then God would be seated between the cherubim. But this is a man-made version of the heavenly reality. But whenever heaven sees us coming into agreement on the earth, there becomes a marriage between heaven and earth. And so, so it's equal parts. It's, it, is the, it is the physical ark that was built that had the spiritual meaning, but it points to a heavenly reality and a God who does ride on the, on the wings of the cherubim and can be ushered in into any, into any and every moment that we have. 
Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down and see from heaven and see. Take care of this vine. So remember, the, the image of the summit comes in two forms, the circle and the lattice. And the lattice is a ladder that the vine comes up. And so this vine also gives us images of the tree of life. And we also, just to support that, the Hebrew, the same Hebrew word can be used for tree, for bush, and for vine. So this is very powerful because this links together. When Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches, this is tree of life language that's going on here. When Moses encounters the Lord, the angel of the Lord at the burning bush, I know it's bush, but the, the Hebrew word, it gives you access to the mystery of the tree of life in that encounter. And then obviously even the, like Jesus is, is by, the, by the olive trees and he speaks about the tree like the mustard seed where you, you plant the mustard seed and becomes the greatest, the smallest of all seeds becomes the greatest of all trees. So this tree of life, this is a part of every, this, we have access to it from at every stage of the journey. Um, so yeah, take care of this vine that you protected with your right, that your right hand has planted. The son of man whom you yourself made strong. So there's that support again. May, may your help be with the man of your right hand. Remember, this is how we were described. That's what Benjamin means, the son of my right hand. And they were the bowmen for that bow. And the right hand of God represents that balancing the, the manifest power of God and the left hand, the hidden providence of God. May, may your help be with the man of your right hand, with the son of man that you yourself have made strong. So you've trained my arms to bend the heavy bow. Then we will no more withdraw from you. Give us new life and we will call upon your name. So remember this calling upon the name of the Lord is the key, is, is one of the keys to rousing ourselves to cling to him. And this is what it means. Then we then we will no more withdraw from you and you will give us new life. This is this giving new life, calling on the name of the Lord, rousing ourselves to cling to him. This is what we're going for. All right, so now we come on to our third reading, and we're looking at the first first Corinthians chapter one, verses three through nine. So open your Bibles with me, open your Bible app to first Corinthians chapter one, verses three through nine. Brothers and sisters, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I love the fact that, you know, Isaiah in chapter 63 and chapter 64 is calling God our Father. And here's Paul and Jesus teaches to pray our Father. And here's Paul reinforcing that grace and peace to you from God our Father. He's our Father. That means something. That makes it that that that, that there's beliefs have consequences. You know. Oh, here's here's something that I, I learned recently is you know why not believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. It seems like so often we wind up flipping it and we doubt our beliefs and we believe our doubts. But the real power is released when we believe what we believe. And doubt what we doubt. This is th there's an acceleration in that. So so beliefs have consequences. So brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always on your account. So in that word for thanks, there that's that's the the word Eucharist, a Eucharistia. So I give I give thanks to my God always on your account. From the grace of God. Uh, for the grace of God bestowed 
on you in Christ Jesus. Now, let's talk about grace for a second. What I would like to, what I'd like to, the meaning of grace I'd like to focus on is the empowering presence of God. <laughs> so let's let's just dial into that for a second. The grace, what is grace? Say it with me. It's the empowering presence of God. So as I breathe and I remember, I have the empowering, I have access to the empowering presence of God, the fullness of grace even. And so there's a two millimeter shift that happens if you touch your sternum here, just two millimeters, the empowering presence of God. And so even tension, oftentimes we collect tension in our neck and our shoulders. If you just take a deep breath with me and and let your shoulders, as you inhale, let your shoulders raise up to your to your ears, feel the tension, and now release it. Yeah, so the empowering presence of God, take a deep breath, remembering your God, rouse yourself, call on his name, cling to him. So so I give thanks to my God always on your account for the grace, for for what's grace? The empowering presence of God, for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus, that in him you were enriched, in every way. Wow. If we could just let that set on our spirits for a moment. In him, we are enriched. So this is a, this, wealthy in every way. So make no limit. So so I, I want to be enriched. I, I want to be enriched in every dimension of my life, in my relationship with God, in my relationships with my family, in my physical strength, in my health, and the vitality of my uh, my body. But also, I want to be enriched in my prayer, in my knowledge of who God is. I want to be enriched in my finances. I want to experience the generous generosity of God so that I can share the generosity of God with others. So in Him, we have been enriched in every way. Now watch this. With all discourse and all knowledge. Now, notice these words. So this word knowledge here, last week we were talking about the word epinosis. Now this word knowledge here, it's, this is the word gnosis, and we talked, we said epi's an intensifier. So, but notice there's another word that's used to intensify it. What's that? The word all. So it's not just knowledge that you've been enriched with discourse and you've been enriched with knowledge. It's, you've been enriched with all knowledge. And so so while it's not, if you look in the Greek, it's not the Greek word, it's the word gnosis versus the word epinosis. It's talking about the same thing. Because why? Because as a new intensifier, all, all knowledge. And this is actually, this is key. Um, sometimes vocabulary, it seems like the mystery is an excess, inaccessible because of vocabulary. I want to encourage you that the, the vocabulary doesn't come first, brothers and sisters. So if you feel that burden, like, oh, there's all these new words, all these Hebrew words, all these Greek words, all these Latin words, there's all these new words. And the vocabulary, it's not about the vocabulary. The vocabulary doesn't come first. The experience of God does. The connection with God comes first. And when you have a living connection with God... When you rouse yourself and cling to him and you find that there's a God who's already roused himself and is more, he desires, to, he's been clinging to us even more without us realizing it, but we've been asleep. So when we rouse ourselves and we have that encounter with the living God like Job has at the end of his beautiful wisdom book, in the book of Job, he has this encounter with the living God. 
When we have that encounter, that encounter is generative. Not only does life come from it, not only does abundance come from it, not does enrichment and, 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 and enriched in every way, not only does that come from it, but vocabulary comes from it. There are new words pop out of how you express this. And so what we're tracking with is over the last number of millennia, so two millennia of following Jesus, and then even further millennia back uh, following the God of Israel, there have been words that have been born out of this encounter with the living God. And so this is something that's extremely valuable to us and we, so we're not, so, so don't get burdened by them. Let them be, let them be catalysts. Let them be catapults for you. Okay, so here, but this, that, yeah, for the God, for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus, that in him you were enriched in every way with all discourse and with all knowledge. And so I'd like to say that this is the meaning of that epinosis, which is the, the this is the organizing principle behind the theology of St. Paul and the theology of St. Peter. And this epinosis, this, this all knowledge, and, and add to it all discourse, and check this out, the word discourse there, the Greek word, that's logos, which is that, that's its own mystery and story, which Jesus himself is the, the second person, the blessed Trinity is the divine logos. Jesus is the divine logos made flesh. Um, so the deepest meaning and essence of who God is, the fullness of who God is. So you get all, but also it means speech. So how do you say it? So with all discourse and with all knowledge, you, brothers and sisters, have been enriched by the grace of God in Christ Jesus with all discourse, with all logos, and how do you say it, and all knowledge, and how do you understand it? And that organizing, that organizing principle of both Peter and Paul, what is it? It's that face-to-face -face encounter. Paul had it on the road to Damascus when the light blinded him and he lost his sight for three days. And Peter had it when he was on Mount Tabor and he saw the face of Jesus shining like the sun. This this is that all, this is that epinosis, or here, all knowledge and all discourse. You've been blessed with it, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. So notice the way this is this is up and over the top and lavish and abundant in every dimension as you wait for the revelation of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so last week we were talking about 2 Peter. When he says, the prophetic word that we carry is altogether reliable. Keep your eyes fixed on it as you would a lamp burning in a dark place until the first streaks of dawn arise and the morning star rises in your hearts. And we know that Peter was talking about his experience, his encounter on Mount Tabor. Um, so, uh, so, um, so. Yeah, you're lacking in no spiritual gift as you wait for the as you wait for the fullness of the revelation. So here you have the mystery of the Samak again. What's present in what's present in its in a, in a finite form in the beginning, in the end, the the beginning is come to its fullness. So it's it's all one, and that's why we can put roots down in that level of being. This is the, it's it's all given so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you await the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. And remember, we believe this and beliefs have consequences. Believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. God is faithful and by him you were created and you were called to fellowship with his son Jesus uh, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this fellowship, this is what we're fighting for, this fellowship. Now we come to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 33. And, and we get this wake-up call. Jesus said to his disciples, Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man traveling abroad. He leaves his home and he places servants in charge, each with one of each with his own work, and he orders the gatekeepers to be on the watch. Watch, therefore. You do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. And so this is that Greek concept of nepsis. Be awake, alert, attentive, and aware. And even those, those rungs of the ladder, awake, just this is our image for being awake. Give us a stretch. Yeah, awake. What's happening? You're transitioning from one state of consciousness to another state of consciousness. It's a type of rebirth. So this is our image for, for waking up. Now, Nepsis is a ladder and each of these rungs, awake, alert, attentive, and aware, we're going up. So alert, our image for alert is this, all right? Because alert means to move to move nimbly, to move quickly, to ascend the tower of the Lord, to, to assume the, the position of, of the watch, to watchtower, get to the watchtower. So awake, alert, now the third rung in the ladder is attentive. Now attentive, this word ten from tension and the pulling of the bow to stretch out. Also, it's also for the pulling and the stretching out of a tent. So I want to create attention. The, the, the sons of Benjamin, the, the, the Lord has trained us to bend the heavy bow. And so we're balancing in this place of tension. We're balancing what the left hand, which is the hidden providence of God, and the right hand, the manifest providence of God. We're ascending, we're ascending the ladder. We're ascending the watchtower. And we're getting into position. And the, the archers were the snipers of the ancient world. And so this is one shot, one kill. So balance that, the right hand and the left hand. And then what do you do? Then the release. And it all happens when you release, when you surrender. And then you get to the final run of the ladder, awake, alert, attentive, and aware. And this aware, this is that, this is that knowledge. This is that epinosis. And this, this pulling on this tension, this you know, having a passion for the Word of God and for the Spirit of God. When the Word and the Spirit come together in the heart, then a fire burns. Incense only rises off of a fire that burns. And so what we're doing in these readings as we go through these mysteries is we're remembering that we are not the first ones who learn to rouse ourselves and cling to God. We are not the first ones on this journey. And so we're learning by other people's words and other people's experiences. We're learning to be trained and equipped to know that this is our call. We're called to enter into this realm of engagement of God, this trading floor, this facing these difficulties and finding these deeper anchors and these deeper secrets and these deeper these deeper meanings because God has so much more that he wants to show us. And brothers and sisters, this is the first Sunday of Advent and Advent means to come. The Lord is coming and we're going to get ready to celebrate the birth of the, the, the birth of the King. So remember last Sunday was the, the Feast of Christ the King and that's the culmination, that's the exclamation points, that exclamation 
exclamation points at the end of the liturgical year. Now we're going back to the beginning, just like the stomach goes around. Um, we're, going, we're going back to the beginning and we're awaiting the birth of the king. But it's not just a circle. It's not just a circle where we repeat the same thing season after season, year after year. Every time we want to make progress, and so we want to ascend. And so it's a circle, it's a spiral that comes upward higher and higher. So brothers and sisters, let this be an Advent like never before. Let this be a Christmas like never before. Let this be a new year like never before in our relationship with Christ and our ability to, to ascend the watchman's tower to be awake alert, attentive, and aware, because he's right here. Uh, the God of the universe is living and breathing inside you and everything and everyone that's all, all of heaven and earth are filled with his glory. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining me for Inscription. And I just wish that you, I just speak a blessing over you for this Advent to have the most amazing preparation for Christmas, that Christmas would really knock your socks off this year. <laughs> See him hanging over the uh, the fireplace in the form of stockings. Uh, but I, I look forward to seeing you guys next week for Inscription, and I'll see you on Sunday for Fire on the Altar. Peace. <laughs>